0: As difficult as it is sometimes to get the service restarted after greeting time, there are way worse problems to have than people that want to talk to each other. Amen? Amen? And uh, I am looking at the clock on the back wall. Now there's two clocks on the back wall. Thanks very much. So um, I will endeavor to uh, to pay attention to that and not test your your patience this morning. Our theme for 2022 is "Be the Church." We are called to be the Church. We are the Church, and since we are, we should be the Church. We are supposed to be becoming who we already are, right? We have been made part of the Church of Jesus Christ. uh, In the in the immortal words of C.S. Lewis, I don't remember if he wrote them in the book or if it was a movie add-on, but um, uh, your family, you might as well start acting like one. Uh, We're the church. We might as well act like it, right? We might as well live it out. We might as well be the church that we are, right? Being the church is not an accomplishment. It's a development. In other words, we don't ever say we've arrived. We say we are and we're becoming, okay? We are the church and we're becoming increasingly the church in practice. It's a process of constant growth into what Jesus saved us to be. That's that's, that's a, a part of our understanding of what it is to be the church. We are, and we are becoming. Last week we saw that if we are to be the church, we cannot be controlled by, we cannot be driven by, we cannot be subject to a spirit of fear. We cannot be governed by a spirit of fear. And so, having seen last week what we're not supposed to be, what we cannot be, a fearful people, we're going to move on to what we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we are supposed to be. And what Paul says to Timothy there that we are applying to ourselves today uh, is three things that we are supposed to consider. So let's look there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's read verses 6 and 7 together, remind ourselves of, of the... Um, Uh, uh, of what Paul wrote to Timothy. And then let's consider what he said to Timothy in application to ourselves. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power and love and discipline. Or as the King James reads, a sound mind. This is what he's called us to be. These three things, power, love, sound, mind. These are, uh, are discipline. This is, this is what the church is supposed to understand itself as. And so, over the next three weeks, we're going to consider these one at a time. Let me just say, in, uh, to connect this to, to some previous messages, that As ambassadors of reconciliation, this is part of who we understand ourselves to be as the church. We are, in this world, ambassadors of reconciliation. We are not to be governed by fear. Amen? Amen. Ambassadors need to be people who are known for what side they're on. You can't represent a side if nobody knows what side you're on. Right? Ambassadors come from a place they've got a passport. The, the compound in which they live, theoretically, I guess in some ways legally, actually belongs to the, to the place they came from, okay? It's clear, this is our little domain on this spot of ground, and, and um, our embassy might be in France, but this is America in France, and... And I am an ambassador for the United States of America in France, I represent the United States to the French government and the French people, right? And, and, and so it, it has to be known, we are ambassadors of reconciliation, we cannot hide, we cannot let a spirit of fear keep us bound up so that nobody knows who we are. We weren't sent on an undercover mission, we were sent on a wide open mission, okay? So, so, fear is not part of what the, what the church is supposed to be. Instead of a spirit of fear, God has not given us a spirit of fear or of spirit of timidity. He says, but of power. So you can read it this way. In fact, the way to read it would be something like this if you wanted to expand it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He has given us a spirit of power, and a spirit of love, and a spirit of discipline, or a sound mind. That that word spirit extends throughout the entire passage. Okay, Not a spirit of fear, but yes, a spirit of power, love, and discipline. This is what he has given to us. This morning, I want to consider what it means that God has given to us the spirit of power. That God has given to us the spirit of power. The Greek word is dunamis. It's that word dunamis. It comes from a word that means force. Force. Now, the world understands force in a particular way. Okay? When you say the word force in the world, there's certain ways it's going to be understood. So, thinking about it, I just did what any modern... American does. What's the definition of the word force? Google that. Okay? So I just googled force. Force definition. Here's the two definitions that came up. Okay? I'm using these as opposed to Webster's, which I have on my shelf in there, by the way, because... Most people in the world aren't going to bother to go to Webster's or to wait until they're around a Webster's Dictionary. They're going to Google force. And these are going to be the first two things that come up, okay? Or at least they were when I Googled them. I don't know if it'll change at some point. But here's what it said. Definition number one, strength or energy as an attribute of physical action or movement. Strength or energy as an attribute of physical action or movement. That is, when one wrestler defeats another wrestler, he does so by show of physical force. Okay? When one person beats another person up, it's physical force. When someone is violated, it's physical force. Okay? This this is the concept of force that one person, by, by dint of physical action or movement imposes himself or herself on the other person. Force. The second definition is coercion or compulsion, especially with the use or threat of violence. Coercion or compulsion, especially with the use or threat of violence. The ideas of power and force are often associated with things like position, right? We have a whole issue in this world of of people coming under um, uh, under, uh, certain legal responsibilities and, and, and if not legal responsibilities, certainly societal pressures because they use their disproportionate amount of power to seduce people that are under them and get from them what they want. In other words, when we talk about issues like consent, we talk about the the, the problem that extreme disparities in power make consent more complicated because one person feels a certain obligation to another person. Maybe one person is afraid that if they don't comply, their job or their promotion will be in jeopardy. That it's it's actually a serious issue when you have a position of power, you don't realize that you exert a certain force on people that answer to you. And And that it might not be completely voluntary on their part, the way they relate to you. Right? That there's pressures that are upon them that you need to be aware of. Power and force are often associated with positions, with privilege. People with power find themselves with all sorts of privileges, at least in their own minds. At least in their own minds. It's associated with things like financial financial resources, financial resources, military might. Force or power, um, uh, physical strength, force, power, fear, intimidation, manipulation. These are all aspects that the world thinks of when it thinks of things like power and force. And I got to tell you that in practical terms, especially in the way the world works, that is part of the deal. Okay? It's it's not completely inappropriate. There is power, force, behind military might. Right? There is that. But please hear this. The way things work in the world is not the way they're necessarily supposed to work in the kingdom of God. The church operates on a a different principle. The The way the church works is different. We view power or force in a different way than the world does. It's not how power works in the spiritual realm the way it works in the physical realm. The kingdom of God, it's different. Dunamis, the way we understand power, the word dunamis refers to miraculous or supernatural power. Miraculous or supernatural power. It refers to a power, listen to this. So let me just say this real quickly. This would have been a really good time to have a PowerPoint presentation. And it just so turns out that I did have a PowerPoint presentation. We are, we are improving things as fast as we can around here. And this past week, there was computer work going on. And because of that, the ability to transfer the, the presentation, well, it got lost. So we'll just say that for now. Um, so there's not a power. I, I wish I had one. So I'm going to repeat the definitions a couple of times. Power, from our, from a Christian understanding, is something that comes from and extends beyond any human, natural, resource, ability, or title. It's something more than that. Okay. Spiritual power, spiritual force, is something more than I've got a title on my door that says I've got a right to say X, Y, and Z. It's more than that, okay? It's more than that. It's more than the amount of money. Let me tell you a great story about amounts of money, okay, and spiritual power, spiritual force. Boy, I wish I could remember which one it was. Somebody in here might know this story and be able to remind me of the name, but there was one of those early church guys that walked into, the, walked into one of the popes, and as he walked in, the pope was counting a large sum of money. I think it was Thomas Aquinas, but I could be wrong. He said to this man, he said, look, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And this man looked back at the Pope and said, that is true, Holy Father. Neither can it say to the lame man, rise and walk. you got money, but you got no power. You've got resources, but you've got no force. You got no authority in the spirit realm. You've got no power to you, right? You got money now, good for you we don't have the authority that Jesus had or that the early apostles had, right? The difference between human resources and spiritual authority, spiritual power, spiritual force. The idea here is that power is something that comes from God. It is something supernatural. It is something that involves Him. It is beyond what I have on a natural human level in my abilities, my resources, or my titles. It is... Rather, an ability that comes from the abundance or the fullness of its source. That is, power comes from the Holy Spirit's presence. Force comes from the Holy Spirit's presence. Comes because because the Holy Spirit is present. I want to make a quick point here. I want to make because this is this is one way to apply an idea in a way that I hope will be really useful. Not only to illustrate the point, but to take care of something practical. I was recently talking to one of my daughters, and she asked me, were you ever one of those boys that looks at girls and says things like, you've got to obey me because I'm a boy and you're a girl? And I said, well, I have to admit that there were a couple of times when I ma- did make jokes like that when I was a teenager. Why did you do that? Well, if I'm honest, it's because I was around a couple of other guys and the three of us were feeling rather big in front of each other. And we just were teasing this poor female because we were Italian males and so we were gonna puff our chests out and Hey, woman, let me tell you something. I have repented of that. It was sinful. And I just want to say this to young men in this congregation. Don't ever treat the females around you that way. Don't ever speak to the females around you that way. Don't do it in front of me. I won't be mean to you, but I will stop you. Please hear this. Young men, there's no quicker way to make a young woman reject male leadership than to lord it over her. You wanna make sure a woman doesn't listen to a word you say? Tell her she has to, because you're the man. I am the man. You will turn them off so fast, it'll make your head spin, whether it's right or wrong. Amen? Please hear this. Thank you. I thought, I I was expecting at least a female amen at this point. Okay? Please hear this. It's the fastest way to turn yourself into the man she doesn't want to marry. So just just if you want to shut that door, that's a good way to shut that door, okay? Go ahead and tease about submission because you're the man. Please hear this. Spiritual power doesn't come that way. Submission is always voluntary. Spiritual power, force, ability, authority doesn't come because you've got a title or a gender. Let me me just remind everyone that the way the Lord Jesus treats His church, and I'm talking the one who is exalted to the right hand of the Father. Every name subject to His, He stands at the door and knocks, and He says, If any man will open unto Me, I will come in. He's not bashing the door down. Right? The way He approaches this is... Is, if any man wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We call it the great invitation, right? It's, it's, it's there. There's only one way to do it, it's not negotiable. But whether or not you do it is up to you, it's your own choice. We have to understand how this works. Please hear this. People will obey for fear, but they only submit for love. They will obey for fear, but they will only submit for love. A person might cower. They might give up for fear, but submission requires true respect and and true love. Please don't tease about these issues. They're big deals. They're big deals. A husband's responsibility before God to lead is real. It's real. The way we carry ourselves either earns us the privilege of being followed or earns us the privilege of a rough marriage. We are called upon by God himself to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, to lay down our lives, to sacrifice. Let me tell you something. It is way easier to follow one who sacrifices himself for you than it is to, to, to yield yourself to one who lords over you. We have to understand where, where power comes from where it really comes from. So what does the Bible teach us about about that power which has its source in the Holy Spirit? What is this power? Where does it come from? What does it look like, power that comes from the Holy Spirit? I want to just quickly draw your attention to three scriptures. There's plenty of others we could look at, but I want to draw your attention to three scriptures that I think help give us a, a valuable understanding of what the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives looks like. Plenty of other things we could look at, but I want to look at these three. First of all, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 14, says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. Now you might say to yourself, well, in and of itself, that verse doesn't tell me a whole lot. But if you open up your Bible and you're looking at that verse, here's what you'll see. You'll see that the previous verses, the first 13 verses in that chapter, are about the temptation of Jesus. They're about the fact that Jesus was tempted. When Jesus was tempted, who won that battle? Jesus did, right? He's tempted three times. Each time he responds with the word, he overcomes the temptation. Verse 13 says, and when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's the flow of the passage. We get these little breaks in there with little chapter titles of of editorial comments that are put in there, and we miss the flow. The point is this. Please notice that Jesus left the wilderness in the Holy Spirit's power after overcoming Satan's temptations. It's a vital truth. Please listen to this. Sin saps our confidence, it decreases our energy, and it diminishes our spiritual power. You cannot expect to live a life that is yielding on a regular basis to sin and have spiritual authority and power at the same time. There's kind of this thing that's a choice. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill in the lust of the flesh. You can't have a strong flesh and a strong spirit at the same time. There's this There's this choice that we have. There's this thing that we have to understand. There's a conflict between the life of the flesh that is that sinful nature that wants the sins of this world and and the Spirit of God that resides within us. You can't be strong in both. There's there's an understanding that that in order to to be mighty in spirit, we have to deny ourselves the sins of the flesh. And so it is that the Lord Jesus walks out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit because he has not yielded to the temptations that Satan presented to him. Thankfully, by the way, this is not a completely linear thing where if you sin once, you lose all spiritual power. Thank God. Everybody said amen to that. Okay? And there's something even better than that. Listen to this. That is, repentance really does restore things. Amen? Let me thank God for the privilege of repentance. Right? That, that when you repent, there is a restoring that God does to your soul. It might take you a while to recover some of your confidence. But the point is this, it's not as if the moment you're saved, you get this much force and with every sin you commit, it just diminishes until hopefully there's something left by the time you die. It's not that, right? It's, it's we may fail, but thank God through repentance, he restores us to himself. It's a beautiful thing to know that. Here is, here is the, the, the big picture point of this passage, however. Please, please uh, understand this. We cannot earn spiritual power, but you must pay a price for it. You must pay a price for it. Like any other form of greatness or expertise, spiritual power is gained the hard way. It's gained the hard way. It's gained through sacrifice, it's gained through self-denial, it's gained through battles won. If I'm being as, as earthbound as possible, you know, if you want to be the best free throw shooter on your team, you got to be the guy that's out there just shooting free throws for hours. Until it becomes so second nature to you that it doesn't matter how much pressure you're under. If it's a championship game, and you're one point down, and you've got to make two free throws to win the game, it's just got to be just completely rote, mechanical. I I know how to do this. I've done it eight million times. Pressure means nothing. Situation means nothing. It's just the motion over and over and over again. Right? There's something about, about the... The sacrifice involved in, I have put in the time. I have done the things that were necessary. You know, one of the terms that the church used to use in some settings was was talking about being prayed up. Are you prayed up? A.W. Tozer would talk about about the fact that, that there are people that wait until they're in desperate circumstances and all of a sudden prayer starts coming out of them. Well, you, you kind of missed all the buildup to that. <laughs> right? All the praying was supposed to be to prepare you for this moment of crisis. Now all of a sudden you got in this moment of crisis and you're gonna start screaming to God. How about building up some, some power, some authority so that you're not so easily shaken in the moment of crisis, right? This idea that, that spiritual force, spiritual power is something that, that comes at a certain amount of cost. I've used this illustration before. I will never forget going to a missionary uh, uh, kid retreat and being introduced to this phrase for the first time. Um, it was some missionary kids. There, there was a big group of missionaries in Belgium, Brussels, Belgium. And they had, I don't know where they had come up with it, but they were all using this phrase. The phrase that they, would, that they shared with me was, every once in a while, you just got to flesh out. You can only be spiritual for so long. You can only be good for so long. Eventually, you just got to flesh out for a little while. Everybody's got to flesh out for a while. Not if you want spiritual power. Amen? There's a price you pay. Fleshing out will cost you the life of God's spirit within you. There's a price to be paid. It's not that you deserve it. It's simply that this is how this thing works. In order to be mighty in spirit, you cannot be playing games with the flesh. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we have access to a spirit of power but it's a spirit that has to be cultivated. He's a spirit that has to be invited. He has to be nurtured in our lives. His life must be fed in us in order for that full power to express itself through us. Secondly, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this. <clears throat> You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. Notice from this verse that the Holy Spirit's power is associated with two things, with doing good and with healing. Specifically, healing those who are oppressed by the devil. Those with spiritual bondages in their lives. Those with spiritual strongholds in their lives. Or in the case of Jesus, even those which extended to the point of demonic possession itself. Right? Authority that that was present to deal with the powers of darkness. In other words, the spirit of power means that people who are endued with that power will be actively engaged in doing good and in confronting the powers of darkness that they find in the world around them. They will have an authority to deal with the realm of evil. There will be a power that that compels them, that drives them to be willing to be involved in the spiritual needs that they see in the world around them. I will never forget the experience of my internship. I was walking down, it was a very large church. I had a huge respect for the pastor there. He was, he was just a wonderful man. My wife's pastor when she was first saved and she grew up in that church. I'm walking down the hall with another young guy and Pastor Schmidgall's walking the other way and he sees sees us two interns and he says to us, guys, need you in that room over there for a few minutes. And he calls for a couple of other guys that are around there, a couple of other pastors. He goes, there's a woman in there that we believe is demon possessed. We're gonna go in there, we're gonna deal with it. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, there is no way I should walk into that room. I have no business being in that room. You know, that's a sobering thought when you realize in the moment, I'm not ready. I'm not in a place where I'm ready, and I know it, and I know it. You know how, <laughs> is it okay to be this honest? Okay. Do you know how miserable it is to know you're not ready but have enough pride in you that you don't want to look bad in front of people and you know you've got to walk in the room so you don't show it? You just walk into a room and then move to the farthest corner you can get in. I just hope I don't get in the way. Not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Not pleasant. My brothers and sisters, the spirit of power That resides within us is a spirit that was intended to engage not to sit back it was a spirit that is intended to move us to do good even when it means that the doing of good brings us face to face with powers of darkness that must be resisted it it is a spiritual strength that 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 understands Authority that we do not have in ourselves, but that we do have through Christ, and is unafraid of the powers of evil. And knows that in a world full of darkness, someone has to carry the force of light and be ready to step into that situation with the power of Jesus Christ present in their lives. Serious business. Serious business. We have been given a spirit of power. Listen to this. I think this is the significance. We have been given this spirit of power. We have a choice whether we enhance it or whether we dampen it. I keep saying it because I'm thinking of power. But we have a choice whether we, by engagement and and by submission and obedience and, and, and righteousness and, 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 and walking with God's, whether we, we expand, whether he expands his dominion in our lives, whether his presence and his influence grows in our lives, or whether, whether, as I picture it sometimes in my life, whether my life is such that he is increasingly relegated to smaller and smaller corners of my heart. We should be living in a way that His presence and power can burst from us when it's needed. That that, that we are carriers of His presence into the world around us. The last scripture that I'll draw your attention to is Romans 15 verse 13. Romans 15 verse 13 Listen to this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that in this scripture there are three characteristics. They're not the only three, but in this scripture there's three characteristics that are produced in us by the Holy Spirit's power. They are joy and peace and hope. Joy and peace and hope. Let me just real quickly run through them. Joy is calm delight or cheerfulness. You know what joy is? Joy is rooted in a faith that trusts in God in all things. It is a trust. It is joy is rooted in a trust in God in all things. And our capacity for joy is prepared for and enlarged by having lived through times of sorrow. Joy. Let me say this about joy real quickly. Joy is not a nice extra if you can get it. It is a necessary part of the Christian life. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy. Joy is a necessary part of of life in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a convenient thing that if if you can get it, it's nice. It's a vital part of our lives. It's a depressing world. We need joy. Joy is a testimony to the world around us. It speaks of the presence of one that is great within us. Joy is a vital part of what it is to be a Christian. Peace. It is untroubled, undisturbed well being or security. We've already defined this word. It's best associated with the word wholeness. To be whole. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be a person that is filled with his peace. A person that is whole. And hope. Um, I love using this illustration. My daughter used to, my daughter Amanda, I'm going to tell a story on her. Sorry, Amanda. I loved this about you growing up. I never corrected this in you, because I, I, it was one of those things. How many of you have things that when your children do them, you don't want to correct it because it'll be like the last childhood thing they do? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You just want to, in that one thing. Sorry, Amanda. She used to say things like, I hope I could have ice cream. What she meant was, I wish. But she would use the word hope. That's the way the world understands hope. It's something that you wish for. But in the Bible, hope is that confident expectation that you will see the thing you do not now see and receive the thing you have not yet experienced. The second coming of Christ is called the blessed hope, not because there's a question mark after it, but because we haven't seen it yet. We haven't experienced yet, but it's guaranteed. Hope is, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do you remember that? That's a scripture. Do you remember the hymn? I know whom I have believed. There's lots of things I don't know, but there are some things I do know. Hope is that certainty that I will see and receive that which God has said he will give to me. It's not a wish. It's not wish upon a star. It's certainty. It's I know it for sure. My word, this world needs hope. Amen? This world needs something that it knows for sure it can cling to. Let me, let me tell you one way this works. I do not know what Russia will do with Ukraine. Ukraine. But I do know that there is coming a day when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. I know that Russia will not be the ultimate Lord over Ukraine forever. Right? I know this. And, And so it is that believers look at news stories, and we say, that's a terrible thing. I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, it's not the end of the world. I do know the end of the story. I have hope. And I know for sure it's gonna come to pass. I know who's gonna rule over this whole ball of mess right now. I know, We have that certainty in our hearts. These things are produced in us by the spirit of power. By the spirit of power, it says. Notice Notice what this means. It means, listen, it means two things. It means, one, that the spirit of power is interested of doing, in doing something in you. In you. How many of you could use a little more joy than you have right now? How many of you would say, joy is not my strong suit? Listen to me. You need the spirit of power in your life. Because he does produce joy. How I many of you, peace is not your strong suit. Hope is not your strong suit. This is what the spirit of power produces in us. We need the Holy Spirit. Please hear Because there's more than enough reason in the world not to have any of those. And I've got to tell you, there's more than enough reason when I look at myself not to have any of those. Oh, but when I look at the Holy Spirit of God within me, when I look at what Christ has done for me, when I see who he is, that's what he produces in me. See, he wants to do something in me that if you are uh, a cup half empty person, he's going to say to you, um, some gently, lovingly, the way he does, "Did, did Jesus die for you? Why aren't you excited about that? Where's your joy? I've told you this before. One of the the scriptures that most strongly spoke to me a number of years ago was the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness. Okay, I think I've got that understood. Righteousness. (laughs) And peace. Ah, And joy in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit said, righteousness without peace and joy is not the fullness of what my kingdom is about, my friend. What has happened to your definition of righteousness that you can't have righteousness and peace and joy at the same time? Something is deficient. And you need to find what it is because my spirit produces them all. He produces them all. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Or in the words of this past, joy and peace and hope. And hope by the power of the Spirit. See, he does something in us. He's not content to leave us the way we are. We have to be willing to say, Holy Spirit of God, I will allow you to transform my insides. To change me from the inside out. You see, please understand this. We sometimes think of the power of the Holy Spirit as something that works through us to impact somebody out there. What it really is first is something that he wants to do, not through us, in us. And then we're in a little bit better position for him to do something through us. But it's got to start within us first. It starts with him doing something in us first. Notice that it implies also an overcoming of self, my natural tendencies. Well, you ever heard somebody say, "Well, I was born that way." "Oh, I'm just a little bit of a hey, pe- I was born that way." Well, you might have been born that way, but you weren't born again that way. Amen. There is a new life inside of you. And it is qualitatively different than the one you received the first time you were born. And it's a life that God intends to grow until it surpasses the power of the other one. And you become something beyond what you were by the first birth. He's the spirit of power. He can do that in us. He can do that in us means that by the spirit's power we're changed from who we once were to who we natural and who we naturally are listen to who god designed us to be created us to be and who he wants us to be so badly for our own good let me say it this way one of the things that we see in the book of acts is that people who were overly timid were emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And those rare ones who were overly bold were tamed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brought under a little control. Just take that edge off. Right? The power of the Holy Spirit produces in us that which is really needful for each of us. The point is that the spirit of power is at least as much about changing things within us as he is changing things around us and through us. I have to invite the spirit of power to produce in me what he wants to produce in me so that if he wants to do something through me, he can then do something through me. I don't want to be the barrier to what God wants to do through me. I don't want to be the one where, where the, the spirit of hits the wall. Right? Let him do his work in me so that when he does his work in me, it will expand his ability to work through me. There's different ways of saying it. Tozer said, God has only used greatly the man whom he has first hurt deeply. That was his way of saying it. Um, There are others who have said things like, "Your your, your ministry is only as big as your testimony. What they're saying is, There has to be something real that takes place in you by the Holy Spirit's power before the outside can be expanded, right? It's in that order. We we want to invite, we're the church, invite the Holy Spirit's power. Okay, Spirit of God, that starts in me. That starts in me. Tie it to last... I refuse to be bound in a spirit of fear. Let the spirit of power, the spirit of power, come against that spirit of fear and cast it out. Right? Spirit of power. Lord, do that work in me. Do that work in me. I don't know what you see in yourself, how you identify yourself, what things you might think today the Holy Spirit puts his finger on. But my encouragement to you today would be to invite the Holy Spirit's power and to say to him, Spirit of God, by by your power, you put your finger on an area of my heart. I will submit myself to you in that area in obedience, the best way I know how, and trust that as I do, your power will be sufficient to transform me, to bring true lasting change, new birth kind of life to that part of me that I have been for so long, but I get so sick and tired of. Spirit of God, bring that power into my life. Would you bow with me and let's close together this morning? Lord, I believe that you do want to do things through us to touch this world around us. It's a world that's desperate. Its very desperation makes it a place that is ripe for harvest. Oh, the power of a joyful heart in the midst of depression the way light pushes back darkness joy stands out in the sight of discouragement peace stands out in a realm that is ruled by fear hope is so apparent in a place where despair is uh, dominating people's hearts and Lord, this is what the Spirit of Power produces in us. Lord, there may be some of us in this room that look at ourselves and say, I have been dominated by this particular thing for too long. For some, it might be a sin, for some, it might be a message, a voice. a trait that seems to be a prison, seems to keep them confined to a certain space. And there is that which in us that just cries out to be made free. Lord, whether Your Spirit of power comes to us in a moment of blinding revelation whether it comes in the long hard fight of disciplining our minds through your word whether it comes through the counsel of brothers and sisters that we need or some combination of of the above lord i uh, we uh, Let it be that we would not care what it takes, but let it be that we would say, Spirit of power, use whatever means, whatever tools to transform this area that I might be the man or the woman of God that you want me to be. Lord, that my life might be fully released into usefulness and service to you. Don't let me be, be limited any, any longer. I don't want to be bound anymore. Let the power of your spirit bring freedom to us. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Hope, peace, Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would be not a people of potential, but a people engaged, deployed, serving you, serving one another, serving our community, our world around us, and doing so in the power of your spirit because of what you've done within us and so we invite that work Lord in each one of our hearts and Lord I just close praying for that brother or sister who may have heard this and may have reached a point of discouragement or despair where they have been battling with that thought that the thing they want to see changed will never ever ever change I just ask that you would come to them by your spirit right now. And that you would whisper in their hearts, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have not changed. That you are still available. That you do not fail. That your arm is not short. That your ears are not closed, that your might has not diminished, you're not tired, you are still able, and I pray that you would rekindle in their hearts that hope, that you who began a, work, a good work are faithful, and that you will complete it. We invite you to do that today, Lord Jesus. We invite you to do that today. Thank you that you love us too much to leave us alone. Thank you, Lord. We bless you and we welcome your presence in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Children, there's choir next door. I did try to keep an eye on the clock, so Lord bless you all. Have a great, uh, great week.